0: Porcelain Travels, true stories of humorous and harrowing experiences in, on, and around toilets, tubs, and showers encountered on my travels, excerpted from the forthcoming book, which may or may not be of the same name, by me, Matthew Felix. And let's give a really warm welcome to Matthew Felix. (laughs) Two very different pieces tonight. And uh, the first story is from my unpublished, as yet untitled collection that John uh, was just referring to about my experiences, loosely around my experiences in bathrooms throughout my travel. So uh, this story is called No Stopping. They're uh, <laughs> already groaning. <laughs> By the way, I'd like to say, Gene's the one who started the theme of bathrooms and yeah. intestinal issues. It's actually a perfect segue. And you said loosely. So and I did yeah, say loosely, thank you for yes. you writers, I assume that did not get missed. We're number one. Okay. I also want to say, I had this timed perfectly to 14 minutes and 55 seconds. And now I'm probably going to go over it, But Kimberly saw that when I posted on Facebook and said, 15 max. So I took out 90 seconds. So if there's anything missing from this talk today, talk to her. It's about 90 seconds that you might notice is missing. Alright. Right. <laughs> go, 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 start. I was in my mid-twenties, backpacking in Eastern Europe. I think I was in Romania. My, it might have been Hungary. You know, maybe it wasn't even Eastern Europe at all. Maybe, maybe I was on Guam. <laughs> what I do know is that I had just arrived at a youth hostel. It was located in a converted old school. I checked in, dropped my things in my room, and went back downstairs. Other young travelers relaxed in a maze of sofas, the lobby alive with language and laughter. Here and there, backpacks got in the way, like obstacles on a course. City maps and tourist brochures littered tables, while soda cans fizzed, snack food wrappers rustled, and guidebooks offered indispensable advice. I was chatting with a Swedish guy and a Danish girl when I realized I needed to go to the bathroom. I'd been paying more. I'd caught up in the conversation. I'd been paying more attention to it than to my body. (coughs) I had waited too long, and now I couldn't wait any longer. I really had to go. The young attendant at the front desk looked up from his computer just long enough to gesture to a door on the other side of the room. From where I was standing, it appeared to open onto little more than darkness. Through the door, I discovered a long corridor. As I proceeded down it, it felt as though I crossed over into a different building. This one felt forgotten, left behind in some obscure past. Stale air smelled of wood rot, mildew, and dust, of time itself, perhaps. Many years had elapsed since not only children, but fresh breezes had run up and down these halls. A couple of bulbs overhead were burnt out, as though they'd given up hope, while those still clinging to life shed little light, the mood all the more oppressive for it. And then there was the floor. No one had swept it in ages. It felt gritty beneath my feet. Continuing down the hall, I peered into abandoned classrooms. I saw dusty tables and chairs in disarray, debris gathered beneath them. Blinds on sunless windows climbed up or hung down, as if unable to make up their minds. Some had one end stuck higher than the other, spreading them open like silk fans. I half expected to see the ghosts of tortured teachers or possessed children, forever trapped in a haunted past. Ostensibly, though, I was alone. I rounded a corner. Delving further into the silence, I felt that much more removed from my new friends in the common area, like being in the ocean and losing sight of the shore. You won't be here for long, I reminded myself. I had to pee so badly I'd finish almost as soon as I started. An opening without a door revealed a restroom, its interior gray-like stone, its floor concrete. A row of urinals lined one wall, their porcelain discolored and marred with indecipherable stains. Some stalls were located on the opposite side of the room, which was so surprisingly large, I wondered if it hadn't originally been used for some other purpose. There was a bench in the middle. It was even darker here than in the hall. Eager to get my business over and done with, I unzipped my pants. A powerful stream gushed forth. A bottle of champagne on the porch, I studied myself on the wall, afraid of being thrown backwards. I was delirious with relief. Why does it feel so much better to pee when we hold it so much longer than we should, until our bladders are about to burst? Why is there such a perverse correlation between the pleasure and the pain that precedes it? It doesn't make sense, but neither does it matter, not really. I continued (laughs) relishing the release, (laughs) until I heard something unusual. My eyes rolled back into my head. At first I ignored my ears, but it was too loud and persistent. The sound of water. It was flattering, as though something somewhere in the bathroom had sprung a leak. Something close at hand. I looked around, my piss still streaming full throttle. I hoped the force of it didn't crack the aged (laughs) porcelain. Then, before I could pinpoint the noise, I felt something on my shoes. As my eyes went toward the floor, through the hole in the urinal, I saw something else. Something that had been there all along, but that I had overlooked in the relative darkness. My feet. There was no pipe attached to the urinal. I was peeing on the floor. <laughs> I panicked. Reflexively, with all my might, I tried to slam on the brakes. I made a desperate attempt to squeeze my prostate or whatever muscle or organ it was down there controlling the flow, but it was too late. The floodgates had not really opened. Given the sheer magnitude of the deluge, they'd been disabled. They'd be useless until the entire reservoir was drained. No longer master of my own body, I watched in horror as I continued to pee on the bathroom floor. I moved my feet back slightly, but there was little else I could do. Out of a misplaced sense of propriety and no doubt habit, I kept directing the flow into the urinal. I if it mattered, I think it somehow made it less offensive than taking another step back and just peeing directly into my ever-expanding pool. There was no drain on the floor. The pee had nowhere to go. It was as powerless as I was. (laughs) Meanwhile, I glanced at the urinals on either side of mine. They didn't have pipes connected to them either. None of the urinals did. Why wasn't there a sign or maybe even a rope to prevent people from using them? Who bothered to make sure their urinal was hooked up to the plumbing before they took a piss? As I pondered these questions and more, my marathon stream finally ran its course. Catching my breath, I zipped my pants and stepped away from the urinal. The large puddle reflected a lone light bulb, a full moon glimmering on the smooth surface of a fixed black (laughs) cloud. I looked around for a mop or towels or something to clean up the mess. There wasn't anything, not even soap next to the sinks. Was I even in the right bathroom? I had to be. The guy next to the desk had simply pointed to the door. He hadn't given me any other instructions. Consequently, now I was going to have to give him some very bad news. I glanced one last time at the shiny puddle of pee, still in disbelief, before turning to begin the long, dark walk down the corridor back into the lobby. Why did it feel like a walk of shame? I hadn't done anything wrong. It wasn't my fault. Right? All the same, as I took one heavy step after another, my shoes squeaking from having stepped in pee, I didn't glance into the dusty classrooms or pay any mind to the grit under my feet, or notice the stale smell of the air. I was too preoccupied, faced as I was with a daunting moral dilemma. I knew I should tell the front desk attendant what I had done. It was the right thing to do, even though it wasn't my fault. Otherwise, how would the hostel know to clean up the mess? But, again, it wasn't my fault. It was ridiculous that they had a wall of urinals that no one had bothered to connect to the plumbing. It was like some sort of gag stage for a hidden camera show. Why should I have to fess up to a crime for which I had been set up? One I had committed only on account of someone else's ineptitude. I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell an indignant teenager that I had peed on his floor, and that now he was going to have to clean it up. I didn't want to have to walk down the creepy hall a third time. The hostile worker escorted me like a police officer to the scene of a crime. My crime. I didn't want to stand with him next to the murky black pool confessing that, yes, officer, The urine you see before me is, in fact, my urine. I did that. I peed on the floor of a building. Inside. Like a puppy who's not yet potty trained, or a senile old cat who's not only lost most of its fur, but control of its bladder, too. That would not have been right either. And it now occurred to me I didn't actually have to do it. I didn't have to tell the attendant what had happened. While the ghosts of forgotten teachers or the spirits of former students might have borne witness to my little accident, Single other living soul knew about it. I got it. It suddenly made sense. I suddenly understood why my stroll back to the lobby felt like a walk of shame. It wasn't because of what I had done, it was because of what I was not going to do. And in spite of how badly I felt for whomever was destined to find what I had left behind, in spite of my shame for setting someone else up, much like I had just, my, like I myself had just been set up, I didn't. <laughs> I really have to pee. No. Uh.